It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio. Now, we had this guy on the, today named Brandon Lee Gouton. Now, who the hell is he? Can you, tell, can you tell me who this is? He writes for Bleeding Green Nation. Now, is Bleeding Green Nation something that people read? I thought Brandon Lee Gouton was an actor. I think he was a country singer. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. We are live, as uh, my, my my good friend uh, Bruce Buffer would say, uh, and we are joined by uh, the entire crew, but more importantly, we have a special guest with us tonight, uh, flown all the way in from, the, actually, I don't know where this man <laughs> currently resides, but uh, he's here anyway, the Philly Influencer himself from phillyinfluencer.com, one of my favorite radio hosts of all time, Mr. Sean Brace. What's happening, Sean? How are you, buddy? Well, I'll tell you what, your words are very nice, uh, but uh, we, we are at the mercy of the grim ones. I'm getting major reverb here, major replay. Anybody else? Is that happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think we got, got uh, you know a little bit of that uh, going on, and uh, we're going to be talking OTAs with Sean, and uh, obviously BLG is going to be popping in with his uh, OTA updates here. As well, but uh, we welcome in also from BleedingGreenNation.com and from our Eagles over there on Reddit, Mr. Matt Daring. Matt, what's going on, brother? John, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Why are you exhausted? I was up all night Googling the guys the Phillies drafted. Who are these guys? <laughs> Who? Who are they? Uh, who is Brandon Lee Gowton, too, by the way? I don't even know who that guy is. Uh, maybe some of that uh, is uh, is coming around here, but... Uh, also, uh, with uh, us, uh, the lead draft writer of uh, BleedingGreenNation.com, Mr. Ben Natan. What's happening, my friend? How are you? I am doing well. How are you, gentlemen? Uh, doing uh, doing great. And we're, you know, we've seen a lot. I'm sure we've all heard uh, Chip talk this afternoon. We're all basically on Twitter as, as all the beat reporters are down there trying to figure out what exactly has happened with the rookies, the vets, everything else with um, uh, the, you know, OTAs and all that good stuff. Sean, we'll start with you. Uh, I mean, what are some of the things that you have liked and not liked uh, it, with, with what you're seeing, what you're hearing, uh, and what are you looking forward to, I guess, with uh, what's happening with this Philadelphia Eagles crew here? All right. Well, first off, I will say this. Um, the things that I am liking, 
uh, I do enjoy seeing Sam Bradford out there taking the field this early. I was kind of worried about how he was going to bounce back from that injury, uh, obviously two straight years. So I didn't think he'd be back out there competing right now. And I know I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself, but my man is out there tossing the ball around at seven on seven. So that is a good thing. That's something that I do like. Another thing that I do like is kind of trying to find that answer at the safety position. And I'm talking about Walter Thurman. Um, Walter Thurman at the safety position, I love. I know I'm not trying, again, with the Sam Bradford stuff, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but I do like the idea of him sliding over there to that cover position. Uh, I, I'm At the same time, it's almost like who else is going to step up? So I, I, I like the addition of Walter Thurman in the offseason. I really do like him at the safety position. So those are two of the things that I do like. And real quick, if I can, the thing that I don't like the most right now is Marcus Smith and him dealing with that injury. Yeah. He needs to get out there ASAP. He needs the reps. And I don't care if it's June. My man needs to get out there and show what he's got. Uh, I'm not going to label him as a boss just yet. I know that's what everybody wants to do, but he has to be productive. He has to be able to get out there on the field and help the team out with special teams at least this year. That's all I'm asking for. <laughs> well, I think more to that, and I'm with you uh, with the Marcus Smith thing. I, I, I still don't think that, I, I, you know, I still think that's a miss of a pick, and I know Daring's going to just light me up for saying that. But I'm I, sick of it. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's the thing. I think more concerning than that is – Kind of the Earl Wolf situation here, Matt, and uh, you know we. T- I'm gonna we're gonna talk with BLG in a little bit. I'm sure he's got some things to say about it as well. But uh, I I think to me, and I don't really know with the with the depth at safety and all that stuff. I, there's a, still probably a good chance that he's gonna be here. At least I think, unless somebody else stands up like Evans or anything. But Earl Wolf's being cleared in May, uh, and he's still kind of not coming out for OTAs, this kind of this kind of rather important. I mean, it, it just seems like he's always on the sidelines. He can never recoup. He can never get on there. Is that more concerning to you right now that Earl Wolf can't get on the field, Matt? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, what am I supposed to be worried about? He's Earl Wolf. Like, this guy, I disagree. I don't think he's making the team. I think he's pissed off too many people. I would be really surprised if they – or would not be really surprised if they kept somebody like Prasinski, you know, who – who is out there and who plays excellent special teams and stuff over over Earl Wolf, who, you know, we're just trying to, for the, the 18th year in a row, it feels like you're just trying to see, like, maybe this will be the year that he can really take off. So I I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's disappointing. It would be nice. It would be nice if he was awesome, but he's not. I mean, I don't I don't think he's making the team. Ben, are you pretty much on the same wavelength with uh, with Earl Wolf there? And, you know, are, are is there anything else that you're looking for at uh, OTAs uh, this for the past two days here. I mean, with Earl Wolf, it, it's just a case of he can never get on the field. He can never be at practice. He's never healthy. And then when he's actually on the field, he's underwhelming. So there's really nothing at this point that, that makes the staff really want to keep him around going into the season. And, and like Matt said, I mean, Przinsky at the very least offers something on special teams. Um, and I know that they're, they're trying a lot of guys back at safety. You have Watkins back there, and I guess Thurman's getting snaps. And, and they also, to some degree, like Culpin. So they have a bunch of guys uh, back there, yet uh, yet Wolf is just kind of meandering on the sidelines despite being cleared. So I, I doubt I doubt that he ends up being on the team. Uh, things I like about, uh, about OTAs that I've heard I, – I like the fact that Sam Bradford looks good. I mean, that's that is like that is the thing that we need to know, and that needs to be like, that needs to be important is is Sam Bradford and and his health and how he looks in terms of playing ability. 
Uh, besides that, I'm really, really excited about Kiko Alonso. I think that, I mean, depending on his health, but I think that him and him and Kendricks could really be a special duo, at least for the one year we're going to have them together. Um, besides that, it's nice to hear that Tebow is looking better. I know that we don't, I mean, it's, that, that's kind of a touchy <laughs> yes. subject, but I, I heard uh. some stuff that he looks better. Um, anything to get Matt Barkley off the team. Honestly, I think Matt Barkley sucks. And that, um, is that, is that too, is that too harsh? But no, he sucks. He sucks. And it would be nice to have a good third, third guy in there who can add a, a new dynamic because obviously Bradford has this injury situation and, and Sanchez has injury history, but I mean, he's there's a possibility where Sanchez could be starting and you need a viable guy behind Sanchez. And if Tebow can come in and and at least add some kind of interesting dynamic to the offense without just being god awful. I mean, that would be that'd be nice. Um, And things I'm looking for going forward is I just want to hear more stuff about the rookies, specifically Eric Rowe. Like I I heard some good stuff about Nelson Aguilar the other day and didn't really surprise me because he seems like the kind of guy who right off the bat would be really good. Uh, Eric Rowe. I, I know is going to be he's you know he's going to be starting he's probably going to be starting at corner this year but I think that there's going to be a learning curve for him so I'm hoping that he can get adjusted in OTAs so hopefully we're going to see more positive reviews coming from Rowe. Yeah, Matt Barkley, uh, his favorite target, uh, Jira Tutu, uh, being uh, you know the, the name that everybody's got to learn how to spell and pronounce and all that good stuff and it's kind of funny because me and Sean have uh, you know, a ten, this little small ten dollar bet going as far as the mm-hmm. whole Tebow Barkley thing works out here but. Yeah, I, Sean. I know it's it, you. I, I nor you are big fans of Tebow here, but I just want to get. I mean, like, are, are you feeling comfortable if he's your quarterback three here? Because uh, to me, I would rather have Barkley play well now throughout the rest of the season and get something for him, and just keep Tebow here for whatever you know, two point conversions or uh, you know, all that other good stuff. But are, would you rather have Barkley over Tebow at this point? All right, first of all, can you hear me? Do I sound okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right, I apologize. This is my first time, so obviously I was dealing with some gremlins in my system, but everything's good to go right now. If I could, Tim Tebow's not going to make this team. I mean, that, that's that's bottom line. He's not going to make this team. I, I understand what your point is about Barkley and where if he does show you a little something, maybe you're able to trade get, get something out there in the trade market, but I don't see that happening either. And again, we're talking about the number three quarterback uh, I, I know Chip touched on at that first press conference talking about the whole two-point conversion thing where the, the, the ball's only moved back to the – the, the extra point's going to be a 32-yarder, okay? And he said something along the lines of since he's taken over for the Eagles, the kickers were 42 of 45, something along those marks. So, therefore, they're not going to be going for two, and that's even Chip Kelly's world, the guy that, that was going for two left and right in Oregon. They're going to continue to kick the extra point because kickers need to make that at least 98% of the time, and if they can't do that, they don't belong in the league. So, Tim Tebow, there's no spot for him on this roster. He's not good enough to play in this league. 47% completion percentage. That's not going to change because Chip Kelly's his coach. Come on now. <laughs> no, no. that's a, I, There's really no... To me, I don't think there's really any good outcome with the, you know, with the third QB spot, especially now that, you know. The, <laughs> well, you know, uh, usually yeah. third QB battles are like, it's just a clash of titans. Yeah. Like, so, you know, I hate to see, I hate to see the third quarterback battle come to this. I, I think Tebow's making this team. Uh, I have a bet with some of my buds and uh, I urge you to do the same. Make a bet. Go ahead. Make a bet with your friend. Turn to the guy next to you. If you're riding the bus right now, turn to the guy next to you. Be like, hey, pal. 
Uh, I'll bet you a beer Tebow makes the team and the guy will be like, what the hell are you doing? I, I think that, I mean, I don't know if, I don't think Barkley is, he's not anything. You should see the face I make when, I, when you guys suggest that you could trade some for him. Like, who the hell? Yeah. Like, yeah, what's, yeah, yeah. What are you, what's, what are you guys talking about? Like, no. <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> like, I, I'm sitting here by myself in my room making the worst fucking face you've ever heard. You've seen <laughs> but, but, uh, I, I, you know, I think, I think Tebow's making the team. I think they like him. I think he seems like he's, you know, he's like a sweetheart and whatever reason chip likes that. And, you know, he's the third quarterback. So what do you want him to do? You want him to sit there and you want him to like not text in the meeting room and nod pretty convincingly. And I think Tebow's got that in spades. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, we'll, uh, we want to hear from everybody out there too. So if you're in the chat room, if you have any questions, obviously you can do that. Or if you want to join us right here on air, two six seven. Two four five sixty sixty six two six seven two four five sixty sixty six. We're gonna break just for a second and go to the man in charge of everything, our fearless leader. We sat down with him uh, just this afternoon. He's getting ready to fly to one of the most beautiful cities in this country, and that is Chicago, Illinois. As he's gonna spend some vacation time, but he was down there at OTAs, uh, and uh, we got his thoughts. Brandon Lee Gowton now joins us right here on BGN Radio Live. Mr. Brandon Lee Gunn, what's happening, buddy? How are you? Hey, glad to be here. How are you, John? Good. Uh, so, I, you know, DeMarco Murray, not seriously injured, even though there's a slight panic there today, which is a good sign. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just tell us uh, some of the things you liked, didn't like at OTAs today. Uh, well, I'll actually start from yesterday because one of the things I, I did like was Sam Bradford, and I know a lot of people are interested to hear about that guy. You know, seems <laughs> kind of seems like a major storyline. Yeah, I, I think yesterday... On Monday, this is uh, Bradford threw a really good ball. It was the first time this offseason we've really seen him participate extensively in a seven-on-seven drill. He kind of did one last week where he only really took five snaps, so it wasn't really a good sampling. Uh, This week, definitely extended period for him, and he he looked really good. The ball was coming out fast. Uh, Accuracy is great. Uh, he overthrew a guy, a rookie tight end, but I think that might have been more on the tight end not being in the right spot. So just what I've seen from him in terms of accuracy and arm strength and uh, just just his ability to to really zip passes in there, you know, that's that's not something used to seeing from Eagles yeah, quarterbacks. Yeah, something that really, I mean, I think we've gone through and, and just kind of looked at, even when you're looking at his old film, it really just jumps off the tape as far as how strong his arm is, how accurate it can be, his ball placement, all that other stuff. I saw you describe some of the back shoulder throws that really got me excited uh, to see that, he, that that's still kind of in his repertoire as well. But, um, you know, in the last couple of days, it looks like Nelson Aguilar, again, really kind of shining through. And is it that Jordan Matthews Hall of Fame OTAs type of style that he's playing down there, Brandon? I think it's a little different. I think what makes Jordan such a funny player or an interesting practice player is that you know he, he's just so competitive and he, he runs out every play hard. So you really notice him more because he's always around the ball and he's, he's always just playing hard. Uh, I, I think Aguilar is a little bit more of a flashy player in the sense that, you know, Jordan Matthews necessarily isn't, you know, getting in traffic and jumping up and, and out leaping guys like Aguilar has been some of these times, you know, where a ball is thrown deep. Matt Barkley threw a deep ball yesterday on Monday where, you know, it was in coverage and Aguilar really just jumped up there to get it. There was another play where Tim Tebow threw, you know, not not quite a pretty pass, but he kind of just floated it up along the sideline and rookie Denzel Rice was just draped all over Aguilar in coverage, but it didn't matter because he jumped up there, got it, stayed inbound. So, Really, with him, you just you see like he has more talent, just I think more natural talent and, and playmaking ability. 
and you know, there's been kind of a back and forth, just jumping back to the quarterbacks again with Tebow, uh, you know, Sanchez, all that other stuff. A lot of things that I guess, are you with everybody else's, you know, Sanchez looks a lot better than he did last year. The shoulder looks a little better and his deep balls a little better. Is that, you agree with all that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, at this time last year, Sanchez was just, he was really bad. I mean, he was throwing interceptions to no one. Like he would just throw an interception right to the defensive back. You could just tell he wasn't really fully there physically because he was recovering from that shoulder injury, but he also wasn't there mentally at all. He just didn't look comfortable with the playbook. And there was really a big change from that to training camp. So what I kind of think about that when I think about Tim Tebow, he's, he's been brutal in some of these OTA sessions. But when you think about, you know, just how he's new to the offense, I think he might pick up a little bit in training camp. Uh, but going back to Sanchez, yeah, he definitely looks a lot more comfortable. I think one thing that went under the radar last year is that he was coming off of that shoulder injury. He even said that he had a, quote, crappy arm last year. I think that's why, you know, a lot, he got a, a lot of fans were complaining how he wasn't throwing the deep ball last year. I think, you know, his arm just may have not been fully there. But I think that's all fixed now. I think he's way removed from the injury, and I think he knows the offense. So he's he's looking like a pretty good option. I don't think he's really in the mix to be a starter at all. I don't really buy that there's a competition. But I think he easily is a high-quality backup. And, uh, you know, Eric Rowe also uh, making some impressive things, or excuse me, some impressive plays uh, during this time here. Um, anybody else that kind of stuck out? I know that you a lot of people got on uh, Riley Cooper busting over uh, Byron Maxwell there, but nothing to really be concerned about that, right? No, I think that's the, the funny part about that is like a play like that highlights that this is OTAs and there's no pads, there's no contact. You know, Byron Maxwell isn't like jamming Riley Cooper at the line of scrimmage. He's not allowed to do that. You know, he can't really get physical with him, and that's part of his game. And there's no pass rush on the quarterback. You know, this this isn't like a game scenario at all. So it's funny to me when I, you know, we, get, we see these, I, 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 it'll be me or whoever tweets something out like Riley Cooper's getting beat by Byron Maxwell and people are kind of starting to worry. You know, it's, you can't get up too caught up in this stuff. You know, it's just spring. Uh, you know, Maxwell's a great player. You know, it's it's this time it's, of year. Yeah, exactly. And finally, you know, I mean, Chip touched on it just a little bit in his press conference, but. The Evan Mathis thing is still kind of continuing on here. Uh, you know, what kind of drop in play are you expecting if he if he doesn't show up here? Is it a major concern now? Uh, I mean, not that O-line wasn't beforehand, but he goes away. What is that going to do for the Eagles offensive line and how, you know, how is that going to shape up uh, with guys like Andrew Gardner and all that stuff to getting first reps today? Well, yeah, it's, it definitely hurts the depth right away, just losing – uh, you know, a player like Mathis, he's clearly a starter, and that means now you're putting a backup behind him in, and then, you know, that lessens out the depth behind that. I think the Eagles are really high, and Alan Barbary wrote an article about that this week. Jeff Stoutland kind of just brought him up without even anyone mentioning him. He just kind of said, I think uh, Alan Barbary is a really underrated player, so I think they really believe in him for some reason. I don't know why. I'm not yeah. saying he's necessarily bad. It's just funny because he's really had a, a career where – He's not really that much of a proven player, but for some reason they really like him. I don't know who's going to start at right guard. I think it would be Tobin, but they kind of been mixing Gardner and Kelly in there. So I think I think what they want is I think they want Tobin to kind of step up and take the job. But I think in the meantime they're going to you know make him earn that, and I think that's a good strategy. And the last thing I did want to touch on uh, that Chip did talk about away from the offensive line is is the safety position and. 
you know, Chip talked about Earl Wolf and about how he's he's kind of he's been cleared, but he's kind of not pushing it 100%. He's not really pushing it yet, but Earl Wolf was out there at practice for a little bit today. I, I can't recall if he did full team drills, but I know he was individual. But in the meantime, uh, in place of Wolf, or not necessarily in place of him, because I don't think Wolf is necessarily the starter, but who is starting is Walter Thurman. And that's a guy Chip Kelly actually raved about today. He said he's been. You know, one of the most impressive players in terms of pass breakups and forcing fumble is not. And I did notice today that there was a play where Jordan Matthews caught a ball, uh, short pass, and Thurman came down to make the, the quote unquote tackle as far as physical as you can get in these non contact drills. And Thurman just really didn't even go for the contact as much as he just really went in there and stripped the ball out from J Matt along the sideline. Yeah, you, you're like almost uh, reading my prep sheet here because that's what we're going to get into next, and it's very going to be very interesting with with Earl Wolf uh, and that whole situation and the depth of safety. And I'm you know starting to wonder if, despite Thurman making great plays and all that, if that's what we're <laughs> if that's what you're really going on, I I still think that's a, a little bit of concern, especially for the safety depth and all that stuff. But Brandon Lee Gouton, BleedingGreenNation.com, our fearless leader, hanging out with us right here on BGN Radio Live. Thanks so much, BLG. Thanks for having me. BLG uh, on his way to uh, Chicago, but uh, we thank him uh, very much for checking in with us and uh, getting all the OTA updates. You know, that's Sean, that's the other thing we didn't really talk about either is just the fact that Mark Sanchez's arm looks better, and I didn't think that was uh, possible. I thought, you know, whatever it is, is, you know, Sanchez is Sanchez for the most part. And I'm not saying that there's going to be a huge improvement from last year, but one of the main complaints was not being able to throw the the, the deep ball there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I still don't think that there's going to be any type of real QB battle here. But if Sanchez does have the ability to throw the deep ball a little bit more, does that make you feel a little bit more comfortable with, you know, going in with Bradford and Sanchez to still get to the playoffs, even though Sanchez might have to take over? Well, it's interesting because, number one, um, I, I think that there's no bones about a Sam Bradford's a starting quarterback making all that money when you're going to get that contract. Uh, it, it seems like Chip Kelly and everybody wants Sam Bradford to be the starting quarterback. So uh, it is nice having Sanchez as a backup if that's how it plays out because he does know the system. Last year had his most productive season as a as a quarterback in the NFL, and I'm talking about completion percentage, 64%, uh, 14 record. touchdowns. Yeah, was it really? Franchise it record, really was. 64? He's now the franchise leader in completion percentage. Yep. Amazing. Okay, well, did not know that. So those are the certain things that, that make you feel a little bit more comfortable about that quarterback position. But the one thing I will say is Sanchez, as you know the interception is coming, right? How can we move away from that? Well, one reason and one way that I would say that uh, we, we're going to remove ourselves from from questioning, okay, here comes the fourth quarter, they're driving, they need to score points here, Sanchez throws the interception like he did against the Skins last year, is the run game. And I, know, I don't know if you guys caught this yesterday, but Peter King said that he, he feels like the Eagles will finish top three in rushing this year. Yep. Um, that That's pretty impressive. If you're able to run the football like that, top three, uh, that takes you know a lot of pressure off the quarterback. So I don't care who it's who it is back there, Bradford or Sanchez. You got a run game like that, you're going to win football games. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that works for either quarterback that's in there. And if they do lead, that's the other thing. I get Matt. I don't know if I I, I trust this or not, but there's a lot of people. Lewis Riddick is one of those guys, and I know the around has the, me blocked. Yeah, and has you blocked, bro? <laughs> now, what did you say to Lewis to get? Blocked? I think I retweeted his old tweets. This is this is what I do. <laughs> what always makes somebody upset. Yeah, yeah. Go on topsy.com. But anyway, I mean, like, you know, Ryan Matthews has been getting a lot of praise just in shells and shorts and all that good stuff. And I know that 
we've talked about that off air of, you know, is, is he really going to see more than 25% of the carries here? And if he does, this is going to be really effective. I mean, if they, if I think one of the guys, and it was a pretty hot take, one of the guys had said that uh, Ryan Matthews could outgain DeMarco Murray in this thing. I think, one, if that happens, Woo! I guess that's great. But uh, secondly, that would be a horrible investment in uh, DeMarco Murray if Ryan Matthews is going to give you the same thing. But, I mean, what do you think overall of this running back feel now that they're starting to finally maybe just show just a little bit, a little bit of, you know, salt and pepper and all that good stuff out there? How do you think it's going to work out? Uh, I don't know. I, I would sort of think that Chip might be a little gun shy about leaning on one guy, you know, uh, for for next year, you know, after the last two years of, well, the first year it worked out okay, but then last year was something of a disaster, I think. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if he started thinking about um, – about, you know, really starting to mix him up. I think obviously Murray's going to be uh, doing most of the work, but like, would you be surprised if he played, you know, around 50% or even less? I mean, I, I really wouldn't. I think, I think the thing, well, okay. So one thing I want to say is I think Ryan Matthews is pretty good, but I think the thing that jumps out at me the most about those two guys, is this is not a thunder and lightning situation. I think Darren Sproles, he's kind of the lightning, but he's, I don't yeah. think he's really the lightning either. I don't think we have a lightning. This is just thunder and more thunder. Yeah. I think you can put either of these two guys in and you wouldn't miss a beat provided that they, you know, they do what you want to be doing at that moment. Uh, and I've said this before. I think these two guys are very similar players and I wouldn't be surprised at all to see, you know, any, anything really happened. I don't think he's going to outgain him. I think that's stupid. Whoever said that you're stupid, but, <laughs> but uh, I, I think that, you know, as far as, as far as that stuff goes, I mean, I think that uh, you could, you could swap either one of those guys in and I, and I think that chip probably will, you know, probably play the hot end. He doesn't really have to change anything. These guys are plug and chug, you know, get four yards and hit the ground kind of guys that are five yards ago. So, uh, I don't know. I think that the that's going to be a, a lot of fun. I don't. I don't. I I think the running game will also be top three. It'll be. This is a top running team. Give me a break. Yeah. Just, just one point on on, on Sproles real quick because it, this is the fine line that we often get into or we want to cross. How good is that guy back there returning punts? I don't want to lose that. Uh, I mean, anytime he's back there, you feel like he could take it to the house. What do you have, two or three last year? Uh, I mean, I mean, it was just impressive. And, and, you know, Deshaun Jackson was back there for all those years. But I feel a hell of a lot more confident with Darren Sproles back there. So I, I, I know a lot of people got carried away as the weeks went on last year saying, you have to get the ball in Darren Sproles' hand. You got to get him involved. It's a different ball game this year with, with Matthews and uh, Murray. So I, I don't want to lose Sproles as far as the return game is concerned i want to keep him back there and just continue to go between matthews and murray hopefully that's the perfect scenario and that's how it plays out this year i agree with you sean 100 percent um and just like to touch on matt what you know i don't think you need the lightning because <laughs> i mean if you're if you're pounding teams in a submission and if you're going to run the ball whatever it is 625 times or whatever keep pounding that on man let sproles be in the the slot or or whatever just run him out there as a separate receiver and do all that other stuff too. It's going to be, if everything clicks and, and Ben, this is something I want to talk to you about because I, I feel like I'm getting too excited. Oh, by think, the way, everybody out there tweet me when they call Matthews and Murray, the thunder and lightning, uh, whenever that happens, because you know, they're going to do it. Oh, we got, we call them the thunder and the lightning bullshit. Nobody calls them that. So if you hear it on the broadcast, be sure to send me a tweet. Yes, absolutely. But Ben, I mean, like, I, I feel like I'm getting too amped up with, and I don't know if it's a realist, like a, I'm trying to rationalize everything or I'm trying to understand all the moves still or anything like that. But really, when, I, when I'm when i looking at all these different things on the offense and granted, a lot of things have to go right here. Uh, I mean, it, it's what what should we be concerned about, you know, or or should we not be concerned at all? Because this thing 
once it gets rolling, is going to be a lot better than last year's offense. How is your feel either way when you're starting to see all these pieces kind of stroll out here? Well, it's appropriate, I guess, for me to be the Debbie Downer here. But I Yay. think that uh, <laughs> I think that uh, at, at the I, the thing you have to worry about is health. And, and I know that's kind of cliche at this point, but the pattern that we kind of harped on over and over again over, during this offseason was like we're getting guys who have these injury concerns. We, you know, we got DeMarco Murray after nearly 500 touch season, which is a concern. And and metrically, I mean, like the history of that isn't good. And uh, guys usually drop off with their production. But I think that Chip's approach to this is going to be that we're not going to lean on one guy this year. I think that. Murray is probably at the most going to see 300 total touches in the season. And then you're going to see another, you know, 350 touches get split up in between Sproles and Matthews with Matthews getting the bulk of that. And, and uh, I think that you could see a pretty even split in terms of carries um, between Murray and Matthews. And and the cool thing about this, and, and this kind of goes back to the thunder and thunder point is chip Kelly and Chip Kelly teams dating back to when he was at Oregon have got this reputation of being soft football teams. Uh, and I think this offseason, you saw the team as a whole get a lot more physical. And when this is something I kind of noticed when when we were seeing what offensive linemen they were bringing in for visits and the guys that they were interested in were these much bigger athletic offensive linemen who, who kind of got this Mauler label. And then when we were drafting guys, we were drafting guys like Eric Rowe, we were drafting guys like Ja'Cory Shepard, these longer, more physical players. Uh, and during free agency, you get a guy like Byron Maxwell, who's you know a hard-hitting corner, viewed as being very physical at the line of scrimmage. And then we get DeMarco Murray, who's a hard runner, and Ryan Matthews, who who's kind of gets that, gets that same label. And the team is really gearing away from that whole finesse thing. I mean, and that was the thing with LaShawn McCoy, where there was no there was no power to his game. It was it was just a finesse game. And uh, you really see the team as a whole on both sides of the ball moving away from that, which is kind of cool um, because I'm a nerdy football fan. I like seeing gritty football teams or whatever. Um, but. I'm I mean, I'm really excited about this football team. I'm really excited about this running game. I think regardless of who the quarterback is, uh, this team's going to run the ball over 500 times and damn near 600 times. And when you can do that and if you're averaging, you know, four and a half yards per pop, that that's a playoff team. And that, that you see that on a yearly basis. I mean, these really, really heavy running teams are able to run with efficiency as well. They win a lot of football games. And I, and I made this comparison a while ago and I'm probably getting a little bit ahead of myself. Uh, this team is really similar to that uh, 2011 49ers team where you had a really good running game and you had a physical defense and you just have a quarterback back there who's, you know, just asked not to screw up and just kind of manage the football game. And if he can do that, your team can win 13 games and and go deep in the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah, that's so I got some downers in there, but I'm also finishing on an optimistic. (laughs) note. Well, we'll get to uh, we'll get to the physical side of that because uh, Kerry Williams had some interesting comments today but first before we do that uh let's head to the duncan philly hotline as we're joined from the uh the 561 what's going on man what's your name uh Stephen lee hey Stephen. what's going on brother what's uh what uh what do you got uh eagles wise for us i i wanted to talk about carrie williams actually um <laughs> okay well I, I tell you what Stephen, hold on one second for me because i want everybody <laughs> okay. to hear this thing and stay on the line where this is carrie williams today on espn 710 in seattle uh, describing, I guess, basically what had gone wrong uh, with Chip Kelly 
and the Eagles here. Oh, cool. Two, you really did not like your time in Philadelphia. I, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed my teammates. Um, you know, I enjoyed you know some of the coaches. Um, you know, but you know, ultimately we didn't get the job done, and it was reasoning for that. And within whatever that is that they're creating, you know, I, I don't, I didn't believe it. Right. So, I mean, I, we went to one playoff game. We had a home playoff game. And we lost that. So, you know what I mean? And it was his first year. I understand that. I think he's a great coach, a tremendous coach. But uh, I just think that what's going on there isn't necessarily the the right way to doing things, uh, you know, or, or, or winning games. I mean, he's won games. But, you know, when you're going against elite talent, elite players, um, elite teams, elite schemes, um, we weren't able to get the job done. So Elite teams, elite skill, elite talent, got to be physical. He was talking a lot about the, uh, you know, the Seattle game from uh, from last year. And, you know, basically just saying Chip Kelly got out coached. He likes some of the coaches there. Um, and they didn't, they didn't have enough around him to do it. Gary, uh, I hate to tell you this, bud. You're one of the reasons why you, I, I mean, like, is he qualifying himself as, as elite <laughs> talent there? Uh, I mean, that's basically, I think, what Chip Kelly realized as well and made all these different moves. But, Stephen, my friend, you know, what do you think of, of Kerry Williams' uh, comments here? Uh, I want to say that they're not surprising uh, in the least. I do want to preface this by saying that I don't think that Kerry Williams was that bad of a player. I think he got a lot of criticism um, because of how maligned the secondary was as a whole. But if you look back at a lot of plays last year, it really wasn't so much carry as it was Bradley Fletcher or a lack of safety help, the position that Bill Davis was putting them in. But I think that this is just another example of why he's not here, why we did choose to release him. Because when, when it was reported that we were getting ready to unload three-fourths of the secondary, I actually wanted to keep Kerry Williams. I like his length. He has a ring. He's been in the playoffs. I don't think he's that bad of a corner. But speaking out after against the, the week three win against Washington, which was kind of viewed as as a as a an aligning, defining moment when Jason Peters stood up for Nick Foles and you, you gut that victory out, and he's sitting there criticizing the coach about practicing too hard. That's when talent uh, goes out the window to an extent, and, and, and again, it's the main reason to me why he's not here. The guy's outspoken. He often sounds like an ass, and you know Chip obviously doesn't want that in the locker room at all. Yeah, and that's one thing that me and Sean talked a lot about. I remember, you know, along the terms of when that was happening, and you looked at Kerry Williams with $8 million, and then you looked at Byron Maxwell for 10 You know, that was this quoted price, and we're like, well, uh, I mean, of course you're going to go that way. And, you know, Sean, I don't know what he's really thinking because Byron Maxwell is uh, definitely going to – if he's taking over Byron Maxwell's spot in Seattle, mm-hmm. that's where all the targets went. <laughs> yeah, good, good good luck out there in Seattle, Kerry. Um, yeah. It's no question. It's not surprising that he came out and popped off at the mouth. You knew it was coming. Him and Chip Kelly, they never got along. And even right from the jump, when it sconces and I got to take my daughter to the dentist wow. and, and so on and so forth, you knew all this garbage was coming. But again, winning cures all. Nobody was saying anything about Shady McCoy in 2013, Chip Kelly's first year, when he ran for 1,600-plus yards. Nobody was saying he was dancing around, right? No. And the same goes for Kerry Williams. Kerry wasn't running his yap at the end of that year when the Eagles went on and they finished strong with a 54-11 victory over the Bears and then going into Dallas and in that must-win game, go down to Dallas and went 24-22. Nobody was saying anything about conditioning, and we don't have it right then and there at the end of the season. Why? Because they were winning. 
Well, what comes out, what com- what happened last year is they lost all those games down the stretch, and he's not wrong about the coaching. He is not wrong. They did clearly get out coached in that Dallas game, and I don't care what anybody's going to say. You could carry whatever conditioning had nothing to do with that beatdown that Seattle gave us uh, that night at, at the at the link because they were a much better team, and it's obvious. So just look how good they are. They made it to the Super Bowl and probably should have won it. But again. Kerry Williams, it's not surprising. That's A. And B, winning cures all. And the fact is the Eagles didn't win down the stretch. So, of course, he's going to pop off the mouth. But I just want to follow up with this. He's not wrong in the coaching. That's one thing I learned about Chip Kelly last year. He is not perfect. For him to put Bradley Fletcher out there again after that Cowboys game was a joke. It was a joke. And you can't defend that. Bradley Fletcher had no business being out there in that field. In the second half against the Cowboys, one-on-one, at least give him some help. And against the Skins, one on one against Deshaun Jackson, bad coaching. I'll I'll take it. Well, and Stephen, thanks for calling, brother. Is there anything else you want to add in? No, thanks, guys. Appreciate awesome, everything. Man. Thanks, brother. Uh, here, here's sure. what I'll say to that, Sean. Maybe, maybe there are some spots where they got out coached. I think it was a lot more execution and everything else going into that game. I mean, Seattle, and, and this is what Chip Kelly has preached since he's been here: is big guys beat up small guys, and that's pretty much. What ended up happening in that Seattle game? I mean, they were so much more physically dominant than anybody that that could go th- through there. I mean, you know, Shady still got uh, got one touchdown, and it was like pulling teeth to get down there at the goal line. As far as the secondary is concerned, I mean, who else are you going to put in that place? You're going to take Boykin there. You're going to put, you know, Carroll in the slot. It's still a bad secondary, no matter how you slice it. I understand that there's probably no reason why not to try the switch there at that point. But, I mean, regardless. At least give him help. At least give him help. There was one-on-one right in front of me. I was at that game. Des Bryant, he had no chance. He had no chance. And if you believe Nate Allen's going to get over there, then you, you have to get that in his head. That You have to help him. You have to get over there. It seemed like uh, it seemed like a lack of coaching down the stretch. And I don't know if that's on Chip, but he's the head coach. So, obviously, he's going to take the fall on everything. But it should be on the secondary. And, obviously, they got rid of the new – or they got a new defensive backs coach. We'll see he's, what he's able to bring to the table. But they should have made a change. They should have gave Bradley Fletcher some help. And uh, definitely in the Skins game, maybe it was a little bit too late to help him out in that Cowboys game, though. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, – I, I just think overall, you know, carries – I mean, listen, guys. And, I, and, I'm, and if any Seattle Seahawks fan listens to this, they need to understand this. The Baltimore Ravens people tried to warn us, okay? Mm-hmm. They tried to tell us – Hey man, this guy sucks, <laughs> and I and I do agree with Stephen with the call. I don't think he was that bad um, of a guy. I think he's a fine CB two. I would have kept him around if he wasn't, you know, eight million dollars or whatever. But just everything else, the attitude and a clown, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, like you know, honestly, man. I mean, what do you make of the the Kerry Williams comments? Are you just like, yeah, whatever. Let's move on and. Hope that uh, Nick Foles kind of clowns him for three touchdowns and something yeah. like that week one, or what, what's the deal? You know that scene in the Forty Year Old Virgin where he's like, you feel a boob and it's like a, it's like a bag of sand. You know that's like uh, that's like when Kerry Williams ever talks about football. He's just it's just like you know how like um, really bad. You know that just seems to be like, like he can't open his mouth without just like throwing some shade at himself. You know, and he's just talking about like, well, we didn't have enough talent. Like, hey, buddy, guess who's the talent? Yeah. It's you. Uh, I just think it's funny. It's just like, yeah, the players of one of whom I am, uh, the players are bad, me included. And, and, and I'm still confused. Was Chip Kelly a bad coach or a good coach? Because he, he badmouthed him in the beginning, <laughs> but then he said he's like a good coach. So, like, make up your mind, Kerry. What the hell are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, no, obviously about? he's a good coach. I mean, 
he's you know he's he's good he's not good but he's he's a good coach yeah whatever <laughs> i mean this guy he doesn't get paid to talk that's that's clear he's not he's not like you and me we, well, the we one, get yeah the one we get clear, a lot of money what, what what i think is also weird is a guy that byron maxwell comes over here from seattle basically says like hey this is the this is the same type of environment that was in seattle drinking smoothies doing all that other stuff nothing new here you know, this is the same kind of defense, the same kind of swagger that we want to bring. Defense wins championships. I hope we get there type of, type of feel. And then you have Kerry Williams going over there saying, oh, it's completely different. This is how, you know, I feel more like myself and blah, 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 blah. I, I don't know. I, I just I just hope Seattle comes out absolutely uh, disgusted uh, week one. And I can't wait to see uh, Danny, Danny Kelly and all the uh, field goals uh, guys over fieldgoals.com just react to Kerry Williams, but again, don't say we didn't warn you because it's going to be a miserable time uh, with him as your CB2 over there. Uh, we're going to wrap things up here uh, for the night, but uh, again, we thank you all for listening, and we'll do some final thoughts as we're going around here. If you missed anything during the live broadcast, we'll obviously be posting this in the morning as part of our BGN Radio Live series, and just want to let everybody know that this is what we're going to try and do every game uh basically that the eagles play so this will be our reaction show it'll be up the next morning everybody can come in uh you know with phone calls and all that other good stuff we hope to keep uh, continuing to do this uh, throughout the rest of the season but the uh, final thoughts here uh sean brace from phillyinfluencer.com what's uh what's the last on your mind here well i'm just uh, greatly appreciative of the uh, the fact you guys asked me to join you today thank you very much anytime you need me i'm there and it went really fast i don't know if that was a part of the fact that i was <laughs> blurred out for the first 15 minutes on my end but uh final thoughts is uh one thing i'll take away from this little roundtable discussion it seems like that we're all on the same page that the eagles are better this year right now currently constructed than they were last year and, um, you know, that's surprising because after all these moves, I was kind of scratching my head going, I don't know, Chip, I don't see how this is going to work out. Uh, if you look at the history and a number of leagues, teams that just make a ton of uh, changes in the offseason doesn't really uh, benefit them in the next season. But uh, I would disagree with that as notion as far as Chip Kelly and the Eagles of 2015 are concerned. I, I'm looking forward to this season. And um, at one point, at what point are we able to say, you know what? Health is health, and every team's going to deal with injuries. Who the hell cares? Sam Bradford's our starting quarterback. Let's go. If he makes it 10 games, he makes it 10 games. Make it 16, he makes it 16. If he doesn't make it through the preseason, what are we going to do then? At what point are we just going to push the, the injuries to the side and just talk about football? That's my question. Hashtag top seven Sammy. You heard it here first. And, uh, you know, we. Uh, I guess, uh, uh, Matt, uh, your final thoughts here, and I think we have lost our, our fellow uh, draft writer, uh, Ben Natan here, but uh, yeah, wrap it up here for us, man. What uh, final thoughts as you're going out? I I'm, I can't wait. I was watching. Um, oh, geez, what the hell was I watching? Oh, it was just it was some YouTube cut up, and I never watched that stuff. But I was just watching, and I was like, oh, I can't wait to see this. I just <laughs> I cannot wait. The friggin' Eagles, man. I I can't wait to just get back there and plop down on my couch by myself on Sunday because I am no fun to watch this with and just watch them play. And, and I mean, I just, I just, I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped to watch Bradford. I'm excited to see chip. I'm excited to see, you know, this consistency in the running game. I'm excited to see these new receivers. I'm excited to watch the new defense. I'm excited to watch Fletcher Cox get out there and do some work, eat up, you know, I'm, I'm just pumped. Some other things that I, I guess we didn't really get to as much, and we'll probably we'll get this into the official show 100, and I want to pump that uh, up as well as uh, we have finally are making it uh, to the 100 mark of, of the podcast itself. We're very pumped for that. Have confirmed that John Dernboss will be hanging out with us, which will be 
a lot of fun. Aton Shannon from 97.5 The Fanatic is going to pop in. Tim McManus will have a bunch more guests and all that other good stuff. I, I hope that Evan Mathis somehow works this thing out because it, it's, I, I mean, it's just really weird from, from every single standpoint that's here. I don't understand why the Eagles would cut him at this point. I know people have speculated that, and we've we speculated upon that even going into the draft. I know that there is obviously there was a uh, trade rumor that went around today that was supposed to happen with the Detroit Lions, and that obviously had changed once they had drafted in the first round and, and, and done all that stuff. I know there was some stuff that was going on with the Dolphins. I don't really see the point in trading him right now. I don't see the point in, in, in unless it's a crazy offer, and a crazy offer to me would be like a third rounder. You know, if you're doing that, then then absolutely go 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 crazy on that. But other than that, I I don't understand why Evan Mathis would be here. He seems like a guy that comes in and works hard, does all this, you know, uh, other good stuff. But I mean, just to say that it's you know it's the Eagles' fault or it's Chip's fault probably isn't correct either because you saw Jason Peters' comments today. He's like, I don't care for you. I really don't care. I'm not going to miss him. Um, and even Kelsey saying the same thing. And we've had Evan on this show and I think Evan's awesome. I obviously PFF loves him, but um, I, 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 I don't know. I, it, it doesn't make any sense to me to get rid of him. Whatever differences there are, there needs to come together, whether it's a you know, pro bowl bonus or something that gets thrown out there, I, at least for this year, they need to figure it out because I don't want Andrew Garter starting. <laughs> if that's mm-hmm. never a possibility there, but uh, wrapping it up uh, just for us one more time, Sean brace, Philly Thank you so much, brother, for joining us. Um, Anytime, and, guys. Thank of, you very much. Of course. Of course, we'll uh, be uh, very excited to have him on. For myself, uh, John Barchard, from Matt Daring, and Ben Tan, we thank you so much for listening to this episode of BGN Radio Live right here on MixLR.com, BGN Radio, Bleeding Green Nation, and LibertyBroadcast.co. Cole Manhart. Thanks, guys. Thank You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.